Good morning, everyone. So good to see uh, all of you here. Really, um, really grateful um, that our children's ministry volunteers and our students are able to join us today uh, on this Thanksgiving uh, Sunday. Uh, we try to do this every once in a while to remind all of us that we are one community. Um, you know, I, I think because we're on opposite sides of the campus, sometimes we forget and, and we kind of get into our own islands and things like that. But uh, every chance we get, we like to worship together, uh, though it gets a little wild in here with all the students. Um, that's part of the charm of it, and it's, it's so great. Uh, before we dive into the Word, I just want to say a couple things. Uh, first is thank you to everyone who donated who wrote notes for our hygiene kits, or who joined us this past Wednesday to pack those hygiene kits. We were able to drop those hygiene kits off at LA Mission, and we were able to uh, sponsor and pack 350 kits uh, for LA Mission, and um, we're so grateful for the generosity of our community uh, to help us do that, to be a part of serving our city. Uh, second kind of update is our staff. Um, came actually to Roybal this past Tuesday, and we served lunch. We catered a lunch for uh, the Roybal staff and teachers. And as you know, uh, part of us worshiping in here, um, we don't just want to use this school um, as a worship space on Sundays. We actually want to be a part of the great work the teachers at Roybal are doing. Um, we want to be a part of the great work this school is doing in our city. And so it was just an opportunity to serve the staff and teachers there, they were super appreciative. Uh, it was just an opportunity to, uh, to get them to know, uh, know about our church a little bit more. And um, some of them have even come and worshiped with us. And so that's always a blessing. And so I just want to give that update to our congregation. That's, that's something we care deeply about uh, as a community. Uh, well, with that, I um, want to get into the Word today. If you have your Bibles, if you want to open uh, to Psalm 136, and if you can choose uh, your Bible translation, um, if you're looking on a phone app or something like that, um, I'm going to be reading from the NIV, the New International Version, Psalm 136. Psalm 136, this is the reading of God's Word. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, his love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, his love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens, his love endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters, his love endures forever. Who made the great lights, his love endures forever. The sun to govern the day, his love endures forever. The moon and stars to govern the night, his love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, his love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them, his love endures forever. With a mighty hand and outstretched arm, his love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder, his love endures forever. And brought Israel through the midst of it, his love endures forever. But swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea, his love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, his love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, his love endures forever. And killed mighty kings, his love endures forever. Sion, king of the Amorites, his love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, his love endures forever. And gave their land as an inheritance, 
his love endures forever. An inheritance to his servant Israel, his love endures forever. He remembered us in our lowest state, his love endures forever. And freed us from our enemies, his love endures forever. He gives food to every creature, his love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, his love endures forever. Amen. Amen. Um, one of my favorite shows right now is a show called Ted Lasso. Uh, I love this show so much. And uh, it's about a small-time uh, American football coach. It's played by Jason Sudeikis, uh, who goes to England and decides to coach a professional soccer team, even though he has no experience whatsoever coaching soccer. And it's a great show. kind of took the world by storm during the pandemic. Uh, I think it just took home four Emmys. Uh, I think it was the, the, the most decorated freshman comedy um, at the Emmy Awards in history. Um, and it's one of those shows, like when you watch it, um, you don't even know why you like it so much because it's so over-the-top positive. Um, it's, it's so optimistic and so hopeful. Um, and the comedy is such a departure from what we're used to seeing on TV. Um, you know, like... I don't think anybody expected the show to be as big as it was. And there have been so many different op-eds written about why Ted Lasso is so popular here in the States. And most of the op-eds seem to point to the fact that the show kind of came at, at, you know, at the perfect time. It couldn't have come at a more ideal time. You know, you had people isolated at home uh, on their own. You had people depressed, uh, gripped in fear and anxiety about when the pandemic was going to end. Uh, you had growing social and political unrest in our country. You had people getting canceled left and right. It just felt like everyone was so angry all the time. And I feel like there was this nonstop negativity and cynicism. And all of a sudden, you have this show, Ted Lasso, that's just so positive and so optimistic and so hopeful. And, and, you know, I think like back in the day, you know, even like, you know, eight to 10 years ago, it was kind of starting to be in, to be cynical. You know, it was kind of like you were seen as being really mature and enlightened if you kind of hated everything and you hated everyone and life didn't matter. Um, and, you know, I, I, and I think like that was kind of cool then, but I think in 2021, you know, like a, sh you know, a show like Ted Lasso, maybe five years ago, might have been seen as an example of toxic positivity. But I would say in 2021, a show like Ted Lasso feels more like resistance. It feels like an act of protest, pushing up against the status quo that is just bending our hearts constantly toward negativity, cynicism, and pessimism. And trust me, you know, I know there are so many things right now going on. Just turn on the news, open up social media. There are so many things to be pessimistic about. There are so many things to be cynical about. You know, we have, you know, right now, I can't even believe that I'm saying that it's almost Christmas and we're in 2021 and we're still navigating this pandemic. I remember when they said this was going to be over Easter of 2020 and here we are still in 2021, still navigating this. We live in a country that feels more divided than ever. Um, just this past week, um, you know, I followed two stories very closely, uh, the story of Julius Jones and the story of Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, Julius Jones, for those of you um, who've, who've read about it, is a death row inmate. 
He was convicted of murder back in 1999, and his execution was actually called off uh, hours before he was scheduled to die this week. You know, and then I ju- you, know, you juxtapose that, uh, obviously, a few days ago with the acquittal of Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, who was on trial for killing two people and, and injuring one at a protest in Kenosha last year. And, and I'm still processing and uh, unpacking all of it, but uh, I think there was no way you could kind of read about these stories side by side and kind of see, kind of see all these events unfold in real time. There was no way you could read this and not feel like you were living in two different countries. You know, it was just like one thing after the other, and every day it just feels like our country is growing more fractured by the day, more tribalism, our systems seem more broken than ever. And so there are so many reasons for us to be pessimistic. There are so many reasons for us to be cynical. But let me say this, and this may be kind of an unpopular opinion. If the only things we're fixated upon are the things that are wrong with the world, if the only things we're constantly talking about and regurgitating over and over again are the ways that that things are broken and the ways that people are broken, I guarantee you, no matter how noble and just our causes are, we will not be able to last for the long haul. We will watch our hearts shrivel up and die. If If our constant posture is a posture of anger and cynicism at some point that anger and cynicism will overcome our love and this got me thinking you know not just because we're a few days away from thanksgiving as a church we're always talking about what does it look like and what does it mean for us to be a countercultural community in LA what does it look like for us to live uh, as a city within a city, to live by a radically different set of values, to see the world through a different lens? And I thought to myself, one of the most countercultural things we can do as a community is to practice gratitude, is to resist the heart's natural gravitational pull toward criticism, discontentment, and negativity. And, you know, during this past season, Uh, We've rightly talked about needing permission as a church to grieve and lament. And I believe in the same exact way, we need permission as a church to create space to say thank you, to express gratitude. There's so much that's wrong with the world. But again, if we don't, if we aren't regularly taking time to say thank you, our hearts will grow cold, our hearts will grow bitter, and our hearts will grow hard. You know, I think it's so funny that we as a society think that it's enough to set aside one day out of the entire year, Thanksgiving, to say thank you, to reflect on the things that we're thankful for. When you, and, and we somehow think that that's going to stand up to the 364 days out of the year where we're being inundated with messaging that tells us our lives and our world isn't good enough that things are broken, that things suck. You know, I think Black Friday is one of the greatest ironies ever, right? Because you have this day, Thanksgiving, that's supposed to be set aside for us to count our blessings and to think about, you know, these are the things that we have and we should be thankful for, immediately followed by a holiday uh, whose purpose it is to convince you that there are things you don't have and that you don't need but you should buy. You know, and now Black Friday sales are happening 
two weeks before Thanksgiving and are, and are lasting two weeks after Thanksgiving. And so you have Thanksgiving that has remained one day, and then you have Black Friday that's now a four-week holiday. Because that should tell you uh, about the default posture of the human heart to always think about what could be, always think about what we don't have, and to not think about what we do have. And the Bible recognizes this tendency, which is why in the book of Psalms alone, there are at least 36 specific commands to be thankful. The Israelites, they didn't reserve gratitude for one time a year around the dinner table. This was built into their congregational worship. This was built into the daily rhythms of life. And the psalm we're looking at today is Psalm 136 which is known as the great psalm of praise. And even as I was reading it, you were probably getting tired of me saying his love endures forever, over and over and over again from beginning to end. It's all about giving thanks, uh, but that's why I chose it. Because I think it's so fitting for our day and age. And, it, and this is a song that would have been sung over and over again, every day by families. This is a song that would have been sung as a community, as a church, every single week when they gathered to worship together. And so uh, we're going to look at this psalm, and we're going to look at a few other psalms and answer the questions, what is gratitude, why do we need it, and how do we do it? Okay, so just three points if you're taking notes. What is gratitude? Why do we need it? And how do we do it? What, why, and how? I know we have children joining us today. I want to make this super simple for you as well. Um, so if you're taking notes, I know uh, teacher Kat gave you a little thing that you can follow along with us. Uh, but what is gratitude? Why do we need it? And how do we do it? Okay, so let's start with what is it? Okay, what is gratitude? Contrary to popular belief, gratitude is not an emotion. Notice that the command to give thanks to the Lord at the beginning of this psalm is not connected to a feeling. It's not a reaction. It's not an emotion uh, for a specific circumstance. It's connected to the character of God. The psalmist says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. In other words, gratitude is commanded regardless of the circumstances, regardless of whether or not you feel thankful. In Psalm 100, there's a line in there that says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Enter his gates. You start with thanksgiving. You don't end with it. You start with it. Thanksgiving happens at the beginning. You say thank you in advance. You see, in our culture, you know, even as kids, we learn to say thank you reactively. Someone does something nice for us, we feel thankful, we feel an emotion, and we say thank you. The Psalms teach us to say thank you proactively, to say thank you in advance, right? Most of the time, we get into, the, uh, we get into a grad program, we say, thank you, Jesus. We get the job of our dreams, thank you, Jesus. We finally get into a relationship, Thank you, Jesus. What would it look like if we started to say thank you in advance? Before we get the job, we say thank you, Jesus, whether or not I get the job, for you are good and your love endures forever. I'm lonely. Thank you, Jesus. Because at the end of the day, whether I get married tomorrow, next year, never, you are good and your love endures forever. What would it look like for us to become a community that says thank you in advance? You see, gratitude is like love. 
It is a conscious choice you make every single day. I tell couples this all the time. You can fall in and out of the feeling of love all the time. But love is a choice. It's a decision you make. And this culture is going to tell us, first you feel love for someone, and then you love them. You feel thankful for something, and then you say thank you. But everything in the Bible tells you, you love, you choose to love, and then the feeling follows. You choose to be thankful, and then the feeling of gratitude follows. True gratitude is saying thank you, even when it feels like there's little to be thankful for. And the, the paradox of that is that the more you do that, the more you'll realize how much you actually have to be thankful for. You know, one of my uh, seminary professors challenged um, all, of our, all of the students in the class. She said, for one month, keep a gratitude journal. And every day, just write three different things that you're thankful for. Okay, I thought, thought it was super cheesy. I did it very begrud begrudgingly. You know, I thought this is something that kids do. Uh, why are we doing this? In the first couple days, honestly, like it was hard. You know, like you don't really like take time in your regular uh, rhythm to say thank you. And it was hard. And so I had to write down some of the most obvious things. Thank you, God, for my family. Thank you for my community. Thank you for my health. And, and you know, the first week I was like, man, how do I think of something outside of those three things? But we, I saw something start to happen to my heart the more I did it. Week two rolled around and it started getting easier. Week three rolled around. I started paying attention to more things throughout the day. And by the end of week four, I mean, I couldn't figure out which three things I wanted to put on my gratitude journal. And it's not like my life took a spectacular turn and nothing great happened. But all of a sudden, I started to feel my heart enlarge. I started to feel my heart change. Because when you're looking for things to be thankful for, you'd be surprised how many things you find. And this is so challenging for us living in LA in 2021 because we're so busy all the time, we don't even have the time or space to turn and pay attention. We have zero margin for silence and solitude, for reflection about things to be thankful for. You add to that social media. I mean, you sign on Instagram or TikTok, and all of a sudden, you're bombarded with reasons you shouldn't be thankful. You're bombarded with opportunities to compare with other people, what other people are doing, their job, their success, their popularity, and you're constantly thinking about why you shouldn't be thankful. And so this is working against our culture, but you see, this is what gratitude is. Gratitude is resistance against this mindset. It's not a feeling. It's a conscious choice. It's a way of life. It's a posture of the heart. Okay, so what is it? It's a choice. Why do we need it? Okay, point number two. Why do we need it? Why is gratitude a necessary and vital part of our relationship with God? Because it keeps our eyes focused on the giver and not the gifts. It keeps our eyes focused on the giver and not the gifts. Okay? Um, I'm going to bring up Ted Lasso again. Okay? In Ted Lasso, if you watch it, you'll notice anytime someone does something nice or helpful for Ted Lasso, he never says, appreciate it. He always says, appreciate you. Right? Subtle shift, but we're used to being like, oh, man, thank you, appreciate it. He says, appreciate 
you. It's so profound because it focuses on the giver and not the gifts. When you, when, you look at, when you read this psalm, I think it's very telling that throughout Psalm 136, the psalmist is always pointing to the giver, to him who alone does great wonders. His love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea. He remembered us in our lowest states. He gives food to every creature. And when you keep your eyes focused on the giver, when you train your heart to keep your eyes focused on the giver, it keeps you both humble and confident. Only gratitude can do that. Because uh, it keeps you humble because when things are going really well and you feel the tendency in your heart to feel like you deserve this, or you feel like you earned your place or your position or your title or your status or your wealth, gratitude allows you to remember it's not about you. It was the giver that gave you these good gifts. But at the same time, when things aren't going so well, when your outlook on life looks bleak and hopeless, gratitude keeps you focused on the giver to be able to say, yeah, even though my marriage doesn't look the way it should, yeah, even though my relationships right now feel like they're falling apart, at the end of the day, it's not about the gifts, it's about the generosity and goodness of the giver to give me exactly what I need when I need it. You know, when, uh, when you look at uh, verses 10 and 11, it's very interesting. It says, to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt... His love endures forever, and brought Israel out from among them. His love endures forever. If I were writing this psalm on my own, like I would not break the psalm up right there. I would have said, I would have kept it as one whole thought. I would have said, To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them, his love endures forever. That makes sense. Why does the psalmist insert his love endures forever? after a really dark line like to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. What is the point of thanking God after such a bleak line? Only somebody who knows and trusts the giver to work even the bad out for good can read a line like that and still say his love endures forever. Only someone who knows and trusts the goodness of the giver can say I'm really lonely right now. His love endures forever. My mom has cancer. His love endures forever. We're able to say his love endures forever even before we know the outcome of the situation because we've trained our hearts to look at the giver and not the gifts. Okay, so what is gratitude? It's a choice to acknowledge and thank God in all circumstances, in every season, regardless of how we feel. Why do we need it? Because it fixes our eyes on the giver and not the gifts. And finally, how do we do it? Okay, how do we practice gratitude? And we see it here. It's all over Psalm 136. We remember. And we don't just remember it in our minds. We don't just acknowledge it in our heads. We express it. You know, in one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 107, it actually has the same opening line as Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. But then the next line says, let the redeemed tell their story. Let the redeemed say so. Don't just think it, express it. 
right? We don't just recognize what we've received. We express that recognition through remembrance. And we're called to remember three things, and we see it here. We remember God's provision. We remember God's uh, presence. And we remember God's promise, okay? His provision, His presence, and His promise. Verses 4 to 9 are all about the beauty of creation, God providing the sun and the moon and the stars and the air that we breathe. This is a part of God's provision. Verses 10 to 16 are all about the Israelites' liberation from slavery. Verses 17 to 24 are all about God's victory over kings. And especially for those of us who struggle with gratitude, start here. Start by taking inventory of your life and saying, thank you. Or the things that you've provided for me. How God opened that career path for you when you thought you had exhausted all options. Say thank you. His love endures forever. How God has always fed you and always clothed you. How God took care of your family when you lost your job. How God brought certain people into your life at the right time. His love endures forever. Many of you are sitting here in the reality of your answered prayers from years ago, and you don't even realize it. You don't even realize it. How many of us have prayed for a job for years, a job that we actually love, a job that allows us to work with people we actually like. How many of us prayed that prayer for years? God answers that prayer. Three months later, we're complaining that we get two weeks of vacation while the other person gets three weeks. This is the posture of the human heart. We always forget that God has provided. Um, there's a very famous uh, Jewish parable that I was reminded of this past week that I think is so fitting for this message. And uh, the story goes something like this. Uh, after God rescues uh, his people from 400 years of slavery in Egypt and finally leads them to the promised land, this, this glorious land flowing with milk and honey, you have two Israelites walking along and one turns to the other and he says, how you doing? And the other guy says, my feet hurt. And he says, how are you doing? And the other guy says, my feet hurt too. Nothing's changed since Egypt. My feet still hurt. This sucks. And because they're focused on their hurting feet, they forgot to look up and realize they're standing in the promised land. They're standing in the center of God's provision in their lives, okay? So number one, we remember God's provision. Number two, we remember God's presence. Now, I got to admit, there are seasons and there, there are times in life when it is very difficult to think of something to be thankful for. You know, there are seasons when we feel like Job, when everything that could go wrong is going wrong. And even in those seasons, the Psalms teach us that we can at least always remember that God is with us. That God is with us. You know, I never noticed this before when I used to read this Psalm a lot. But if you look at verse 16, it says, To him who led his people through the wilderness, his love endures forever. Notice it doesn't say, to, to him who got his people out of the wilderness. It says to him who led his people through the wilderness. Why would you thank God for taking you through 
the wilderness. And it's a reminder that even in the barren of our wilderness, God never leaves us. He walks with us. Everywhere we go, he's gone through it himself. Next week, we're going to start an Advent series as we look forward to Christmas. And the big message of Christmas is what? Emmanuel, God with us. God with us in our pain. God with us in our grief. God with us in our brokenness. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. You know, when Jesus was on this earth, he did a lot of amazing things. He gave out a lot of good gifts. He performed a lot of miracles. He fed the 5,000. He healed a lot of people. He cast out demons. But you know what the greatest gift he gave us was? Himself. The greatest gift he gave us was his presence. And he showed us his love and commitment for us by being nailed to a cross for our sins. In the face of profound humiliation, rejection, and death, Jesus did not leave us or forsake us. And this is our guarantee today that even when we can't see God's provision all the time, we will never lack his presence. We will never lack knowing that God is with us. Okay, so we remember his provision. We remember his presence. And finally, we remember his promise. Uh, when the Israelites were singing this song together in worship, they weren't just looking back at the story of the Exodus. They weren't just looking back at their deliverance from Egypt. They were also looking forward because they were told that there was a new king that would come. It was told, they, they were clinging to the promise that a new king would come and break the bondage of sin and death once and for all. And we know that king was Jesus. And because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, you and I on this side of the cross can now trust in his new promise to one day return and finish what he started, to right every wrong and fix every broken thing once and for all. Friends, this is not wishful thinking. This is reality. This is reality. Every time we gather together for worship as a community, we can rejoice in this reality and we can give thanks. Gratitude protects our hearts from doubting that reality. Gratitude protects our hope. And so the next time, you know, if you're like me these days, I'm like scared to open up CNN because I'm scared to see another headline that's going to leave a knot in my stomach. I'm scared to see another death. I'm scared to see more injustice and oppression. And, and this isn't teaching us to look away from it. This is teaching us to look directly at it and yet still cling to the, cling to the promise that Jesus will return to make all things new. Um, you know, let me just close with this. Uh, Calvin Earl, he's an African-American singer, storyteller. And uh, in 2000, back in 2007, he uh, fought in, in the U.S. Congress um, to honor uh, the, the history of American slaves by preserving African-American uh, spirituals as a national treasure. And they passed two resolutions to make sure uh, these songs were, were preserved in the annals of history, right? That they were preserved as a part of American history. And um, in honor of the passage of those resolutions, he released an album that featured uh, a lot of the most famous African-American spirituals that were sung during the slavery era. And you know what he called the album? He called it Gratitude. 
And I just thought that was so interesting. If there was anyone who had nothing to be thankful for, you would have thought it was people who were enslaved, who probably looked at the future and, and a future that looked bleak and hopeless, and yet he named the album Gratitude. This was their resistance. When you actually read through the lyrics of a lot of these songs, they are full of praise and thanksgiving. And you think, how could, how could they actually say thank you in the times and in the situations they were in? Because they made a choice. They made a choice to remember, to remember God's provision, to remember his presence, and ultimately to cling to God's promise. And so to close today, I thought I wanted to do something with us and wanted us to actually use Psalm 136 as an act of resistance as a congregation. So I kind of rewrote um, my own psalm using the template of Psalm 136. We're going to put it up on the screens. Um, and it's, we're going to have some congregational participation here, and we're going to close with this, okay? And I'm going to invite our worship team back up as we close with this. And, you know, the thing about this, right, is... Uh, you know, I feel like for us right now as a church, you know, and this is, this is my bad. Um, in 2020 and 2021, there was so many things to lament and grieve about. Uh, I actually don't think, you know, we've done enough as a church to express gratitude. In fact, there is so much to be thankful for. The reason why we gather is because of the gospel, the good news that Jesus came and he died for sinners like you and me. He paid our debt in full. He now gives us access to the Father. We're reconciled to him and to others because of his blood, and I don't think we express that gratitude enough. And so we want to use this psalm as an opportunity to give thanks and so I'll read, basically, your job is just the His love endures forever. Okay, so I'll read the line, and then in a loud voice, we can say, His love endures forever. Okay? So let's say this prayer together. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. To him alone does great wonders. His love endures forever. Who by his grace has sustained us through a global pandemic and continues to watch over us as a world of uncertainty persists. His love endures forever. Who in his tenderness holds us as we grieve the loss of our loved ones and carry the pain of our brothers and sisters who continue to face the sobering reality of ongoing injustice and oppression. His love endures forever. To him who sits with us in our loneliness and wipes away our silent tears, his love endures forever. Who in his goodness surrounds us with a loving community of mothers, fathers, sisters and brothers who advocate and intercede on our behalf. His love endures forever. To him who gives us rest in the busyness and chaos of city life, 
a life that demands that all of our energy be spent on acquiring things that will never satisfy the deepest longings of our souls, a life of constant striving, achieving, and performing. His love endures forever, who by the sound of his voice quiets all of our anxiety and worry about the future and stills the restlessness of our hearts that robs us from being fully present for those around us. His love endures forever. Who rebukes the inner critic in our minds that tell us we're not enough, that our worth is tied to our appearance, wealth, or success. His love endures forever. Who gives us the courage to face and confidence to face every challenge in life, to overcome the fears that crush us and keep us from living the life we're called to live. His love endures forever. Give thanks to God, who through his blood paid our debt in full and freed us from the bondage of sin and death. His love endures forever. Who by his mercy calls us his beloved and adopts us into his family, who pronounces our names in love and empowers us with his spirit to be a city on a hill, a community living out the life of heaven here and now. His love endures forever. Amen.